So I want to just acknowledge the fact that, you know, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the series, this is the, we are, we are wrapping up our toxic series. And, you know, much of this material came from somebody that I admire in, in church leadership, and that's Craig Groeschel. And their church makes everything available to other churches at no cost, all the artwork, all of the, so much of what they, what they have and they offer out is usable for so many people. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that so much of this material comes from Craig Rochelle and his team, and I'm just grateful for it. So we're wrapping up this series called Toxic, and we've talked about toxic words, influences, relationships. It just, there's so much in our lives that we need to protect ourselves from. And you wouldn't think that religion would be on the list, but we need to protect ourselves from toxic religion. Religion is one of the most polarizing topics. And if you have a discussion, so for instance, like so, the fact that I'm a pastor changes things with people, right? Like I can't be just Eric with so many people. It's like when they, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And like, oh. <laughs> then it becomes either really awkward because then they have to get really spiritual or we just shut down really fast and then, you know, we move on. I understand, like religion is one of those things that, that, um, that people don't want to talk about, or if they do talk about, they really don't know what they're talking about. They're just trying to say what they think you want to hear because they know that it's such a divisive topic. And I don't think that our attempt to organize the worship of God is necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think that all traditions and practices of religious institutions should be thrown out the window. I think that there are a lot of good religious people, and I think there are a lot of good religious practices. You're like, okay, Eric, so you're like saying all this good stuff. Now, where are we going? I'm not really 100% sure, but I want to emphasize the fact that when I say that religion can be toxic, that you understand, just like with words and relationships, there are toxic ones and non-toxic. So what we're going to try and do is identify some characteristics that create toxicity in religion, and then how maybe we can inoculate ourselves against that. You've heard the statement that Christianity is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. I love that. And Jesus did not come to start a religion. He did not come to make you religious. He came to start a relationship with you. He came to set you free, and too many times, religion simply puts you back into bondage. So let me give you a working definition that, I've, that I'm using for religion today. Religion is a system of faith and worship. So please understand, when I say it's a system of faith and worship, I'm okay with that. I think that, okay, we have an order of service here that we do every Sunday, okay? We, have, we, we, we pick out our songs in advance, and, and, and we, we do certain announcements at certain times, and we plug in the, I mean, so I'm for organization. I'm for systems. When I, when I was in Bible college, we took years of what's called systematic theology, which is, which is a systematic study of God. 
And we talk about, and we never figured a lot out, but we talk about a lot of stuff about God. And so I'm okay with trying to organize and define religion and Christianity as long as it doesn't get in the way of the relationship that we're supposed to be enjoying. And so when I say toxic religion, that, that's intentional. So, so the working definition that we've been using for toxic is any substance or anything containing poisonous material that's capable of causing sickness or even death. So if we put the two together, toxic religion, we're talking about a system of faith and worship that creates toxicity in our life and affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's man's best attempt at being righteous. And toxic religion is capable of causing spiritual sickness and even death. I truly believe that. When you look back on what was justified in the name of religion throughout history, I don't care if it's Christianity, Islam, whatever, you look back in history and some of the greatest atrocities were committed by people who said they were doing what God told them to do and their religion became so important to them that they did things that were absolutely unthinkable. So religion can cause death. Toxicity exists in religion. So if you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to jump off here with the book of Galatians. Let me give a little background here. Paul, the great apostle Paul, started the church at Galatia. And he leaves one of his missionary journeys, and he hears some things happening there. And so he writes this letter to, to give them instruction. And he also, in the letter, he addresses the issue. And so here's was the issue. So you had these new believers, and they all trusted Christ. But then there was a group of individuals there that were Jewish that were telling the new believers that if you want to get the really good stuff, like if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to become like Jews and be circumcised. Now, you can understand the pushback, right? You can understand why that made people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not really interested in going that, I mean, I love Jesus. But Paul goes absolutely off the chain and says, These people are perverting the gospel because it's not necessary to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus. So this is the first chapter of Galatians right here. A few verses down, he jumps right into it, and he says this in verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that it called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would, here it is, pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert is the Greek word metastrepho, which means to corrupt or distort or poison. So Paul is identifying toxic religion. He's identifying something that is being added to the beautiful, pure gospel of Christ. And they are taking that which is incredibly pure, the the purity of the gospel, and they are polluting it with religion. If you continue reading in his writings in Galatians, you go to chapter 5 and verse 12. He is so intense and upset about what 
these Judaizers are doing to the pure gospel of Christ, he suggests that don't stop with circumcision. Just cut it all off. That's how angry he is about this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 12. I'm not going to put it on the screen because this is a kid-friendly environment. But it's there. And I made everybody feel very uncomfortable right there. And I love the tension that I feel right now. Because it's like now anything I say, you're all going to go, whew, okay. We're, we're, we're done with that. Now let's move on. So here they took, they took this, this pollution and they dumped it into the purity of the gospel. And so what I'd like to do is just give us, and, we're, and, and there were so many. I came up with five. But I, I, I eliminated them, worked some other ones in. So now we, basically what we're going to do is we're going to just cover two different characteristics that seem to be very identifiable when it comes to toxic religion. So please understand, I'm not talking about the Methodist. I'm not talking about the Charismatics. I'm not talking about the Presbyterians. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about anybody. I might talk about the Baptists a little bit. I think that we need to kind of get rid of this idea that it's a particular denomination that is causing toxicity, all right? It can happen anywhere. But let me give you just two characteristics, and what's going to happen is you're going to go, aha, yeah, I recognize that. I recognize that toxicity. Here's the first one, all right? The toxicity of religion. First of all, it focuses on the external rather than the internal. It's an outward expression of our faith rather than an inward transformation. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that when your inside is transformed with a relationship with Jesus, it'll affect your outside. But we shortchange ourselves, and we feel like if everybody will just conform to our list, and if they will just check our boxes, and if they'll wear what we think they ought to wear and, and not do what we, shouldn't, what we don't think they should do, then it's going to make us feel like we're all walking in lockstep. And so now we feel better because nobody's different from everybody else. That's what I love about this congregation. It's like you've got folks that are in all, at all different mile markers of their journey with Christ. And what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me, and what's wrong for me may not be wrong for you, and I'm, i got to be okay with that. Because it's about inward transformation rather than outward conformity. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's not about how long I pray or how much money I give. Those are good things. And I think that as you grow closer to Christ, they happen. And you become more generous. And you want to talk to him more. And you want to be around God's people. You want to receive instruction But when we make those the identifying characteristic of what spirituality is supposed to look like, now we're in trouble. Now we're toxifying the beautiful, pure gospel of Christ. The Pharisees were good at this, right? You've heard Jesus talk about this all the time. Like like the Pharisees were the upstanding religious people of the day. And they had identified every possible way to make sure that you are doing the right thing all the time. But they were horrible people inside. Like they, so, so they, would, they would go and they would, they would go to give their offering and they would wave it around. Here's what I'm giving and drop it in. They were doing the right thing. They would pray loud and long publicly so everybody could hear what they were saying and be amazed by their spirituality. It was an outward show. They took 10 commandments 
and created 630 laws to follow. How confusing. They didn't, but now believe that, I think that it was well-intended. Like if we, if we obey, so what does it mean to, to not work on the Sabbath? What does work mean? Let's identify work. Well, you can do this on, but you can't do that. You can only walk this many steps. You can cook this, but not that. I mean, they, they, they basically defined everything that they felt would keep them in God's favor. They were really good at it. And so Jesus is going to be really proud of them. And when he comes to church, when, 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 when Jesus comes to earth, he's going, to, he's going to flock to them because they've got it all figured out. And when Jesus comes down to earth to save this world, he's going to rush to the religious people because they've, they, they've identified what it is like to be a follower of God. No, not, not so much. Matthew chapter 23, here's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and here's a great word, hypocrite. Hypocrite. It means you're an actor. You're playing the part. You have a, literally, it meant, it meant like when, when they would act out of play, they would wear masks. It's like you, you have a mask on. For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. They change the outside, but not the inside. And too often religion reduces Christianity to nothing but a list of do's and don'ts. And here's the thing. You're not like me. So you must be doing it wrong. So let me, let me just say, so Virginia Hills Church was birthed as an effort to get away from all of that. When I was saying, you know, like, like I'm Baptist, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I was raised. And I got nothing against the Baptists. I really don't. But there was a, a sect of baptism, Baptists. Shut up. You make mistakes too. There was a sect of Baptist people that we were a part of that just gave Jesus a bad name. And let me tell you, it wore us out. I would be embarrassed to tell you all the things and all the rules and all the practices and and how we had to do church and all that kind of stuff. It was to the point like, like if... I wouldn't want to invite anybody to come to my church, right? And it became, it became every year you had to do more, give more, pray more, do more. And it just, we just grew tired. And my good friend Randall was experiencing the same thing. And so back in 2005, we got together. In 2006, we started Virginia Hills Church in an effort, God bless you, in an effort to just promote Jesus. So Randall and I became very familiar with toxic churches and toxic religion and walked away from all of that. And here's what I found. I really felt like all those lists of do's and don'ts were our best attempt to try and close that gap between where God was and where we are. So religion is our attempt. Toxic religion is our attempt to simply close the gap between a righteous God and us by using our human effort. Like if I can just get a little bit closer to the Lord 
by not doing this or not doing this. Now, let me tell you this. And again, I believe when God works in your heart, I believe when changes begin to take place, you will behave differently. I truly believe that. But when, when I take it upon myself as a follower of Jesus to tell you what your spiritual walk needs to look like, that's when I start getting on shaky ground because that's when we begin to conform the external and we're not focusing on the internal. I think you need to be careful what movies you go see. I think you should be careful how much you drink. I think you need to be careful what you wear. I'm all, I, listen, I, I, I promise you, I'm with you on that. But what happens too often is it's too easy to just make all of these rules and standards and then say, follow this and do this, and God's going to be happy with you because that's what a Christian life needs to look like. And here's what happens, right? So, so you don't do that or you do do this, and all of a sudden you take these steps and you become outwardly conformed to whatever religious standard you're around, and here's the only way you know whether or not you are spiritual in your own mind. It's by comparing yourselves to others. So I am more this, or I don't do as much of this. And you can't help it. It's like in your mind, because that's what you're focusing on. You're focusing on the do's and the don'ts, and not the be. You're focusing on what you do or what you don't do, not the relationship and letting Christ change you from the inside. And so when you do that, you look around and you say, well, they're still doing what I no longer do or they're doing something that I don't think they should do or I am now doing something that they don't do and we begin to compare ourselves so we feel, listen, listen, that, that's, that's, I'm for church. I'm for churches. And churches don't have to do church like we do church. There's plenty of people out there to help. And I'm okay with them doing church how they do church and let us do church how we do church. Just because we do it and they don't do it, that's fine. Because here's what happens, right? You, when you begin to compare yourself, you, 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 you conform externally, and then you begin to compare yourself to those around you who aren't what you are and not doing what you're doing, then we get the second characteristic of toxic religion, and that is pride. Toxic religion promotes spiritual pride. You can't help yourself. You just, and, and I have been in it thick. I have, I have sat on the platform. I have heard it preached. I know exactly what it feels like to be a part of a group of believers that condemns everybody around them. And looking at other movements and ministries and speakers and pastors and believers that are doing Christianity and ministry different than we are and condemning what they're doing because they're not doing it like we're doing it. How asinine. This is, this is the kingdom of God. There are, there are Christian speakers that are just lamb-blasted by other Christians because they don't go deep enough in the word. They're reaching 10 million people. 
but they're not doing it the way you think they ought to do it. Well, then get your own stinking radio station. Get your own TV show. Pastor your own church. You do it. But it's like all we do is sit back and nitpick. And we condemn. And we don't realize that we're all heading the same direction. Now, I'm not saying there's not things out there that are possibly hurting the cause of Christ. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we spend too much time looking around us at what everybody else is not doing that's not like us, and it promotes spiritual pride. We can't help ourselves. When we compare ourselves to other people, all it does is puff us up. We compare ourselves to other people, how they do church and how we do church and what they do and what we do and what they don't do and what we don't do. And we're doing it right, which implies that everybody else is doing it wrong. Well, let me just bow down to your perfection because you all that in the bag of chips. And I had no idea whose presence I was in. Note the sarcasm. And rather than love being our defining characteristic, we define our goodness, listen to this, by our behavior. I am better because I, and then you fill in the blank, or because I don't, and you fill in the blank. We compare ourselves to each other. So let's bring Jesus in on this conversation. Luke chapter 18, he is setting this parable up. Now, parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus is setting up this parable, and this is fantastic. Listen to this. In Luke chapter 18, he says this, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Okay, that's a great opening. Then it says this, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, let me just pause here. So the Pharisee, we already know who they are. They are the the epitome of the religious system of the day. A publican was absolutely on the other end of the spectrum. He was, the publican was um, the tax collector, but more than that, he was um, like the IRS and the mob combined. So you had the IRS that could take your money so you have the IRS, but then you have the mafia that can just distort all of that and through corruption tell you that you owe them more money than you really owe them. Like you owe $1,000 this month, according to the Roman government, but I'm going to charge you $1,300. I'm going to pocket the 300 that's how, that's how publicans got wealthy. So they were really rich, but nobody liked them. And they were literally considered the low end of the social totem pole. So Jesus gives these two because everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, Pharisee. And then they're going to go, oh, the publican. All right, so here are the two spectrums that Jesus gives us. I love this. So watch this. Then he says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, (laughs) even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. It's like you can't help yourself when you're depending upon that to identify your spirituality and your righteousness. We do it right. They do it wrong. Even when he was praying to God, he couldn't help but compare himself to everybody around him instead of just being open and honest with who he was. Because here's the truth. Religious pride is hard to see in the mirror. 
you don't see your own spiritual pride. And I believe this, one reason non-Christians dislike Christians is because we don't even like each other. Toxic religion produces joyless, cynical, critical, judgmental people. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be a fan either. Your way, I hate to tell you this, is not the only way. And it takes humility to admit that. And when you realize that God may be working in somebody else's life differently than he works in your life, you've got to be okay with that and let God be God. Because I can't figure it all out. And I don't know what life needs to look like for you. I mean, I believe that there is truth in the word of God. I believe there are, there are instructions in the word of God that are very concrete and very rigid about things we should and should not do. But that's not where our arguments are coming from. That's not where our pride comes from. It's all the other stuff. And I believe this. Wouldn't it be a great practice if we were silent when the Bible was silent about something? If we made as much noise as the Bible did about things that we have such an opinion about? This church says, you know, we dress our best when we come to church. Our church is kind of like, we're casual. You like to play the organ, the piano, and sing another hymn book. I love that too. I'll be honest with you. I love that. That's my roots. We have a full band and we use a screen. Maybe your church only does communion once a year. We do it every service. And we might not do it every service next year. We might do it every other. Next year we might do communion facing the rear. I don't know. But that's all style and packaging. That's not substance. And we, but, but that's what we argue about, a style and packaging. That's what, we, that's what creates all the issues. It's all personal preference. And that's what puffs us up. And it distracts us from having a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ because we're focused on all of this. We're not called to compare ourselves with others. We are called to compare, we're not called to compare ourselves to other churches. We are called to sell out to the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let it do its work in the heart and lives of somebody. And I believe this, I believe exposing ourselves to the truth of the gospel, what it really means to be a Christ follower is the antidote for toxic religion. So what does that look like? We'll finish with this, Romans chapter 3. There's three verses here that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 3, verses 20, 21, and 22. I'm going to read through them, and then I'm going to give you three quick points, and we'll be done. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, says this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, in other words, what you can do, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So let's break this down. Here's the truth of the good news. First of all, you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. You cannot, no matter what you think you can do, no matter what you think makes you righteous, You cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. 
He said in verse 20 there, he said, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Religion says you can satisfy God by the works that you do. But I'm not right with God because of what I do. I'm right with God because of what Jesus did. Going to church, being a good person, giving money, those are all good things, but you cannot be justified by the law. Second thing, the purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. This is the purity of the gospel. The purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. Continuing that verse, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law that was given to us was to show us that we can't live good enough to please God. Ever had a bad thought? Ever lied? Ever cheated? How we doing? You need Jesus. And so do I. So like that... The law was not given to us to keep it to make God happy. The law was given to us to show us we can't do it and we need Jesus. Because you can never do enough good to be good enough. That's a great statement. You can never do enough good to be good enough. Thank God for Jesus. Because he's already done it. The law shows us that we can never be good enough. I'm bad. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. And so do you. That kind of takes all the pride right out, doesn't it? Without Jesus, I'm an absolutely horrible person. Even with him, I'm not that great. It's just, it's just... There's no room for pride when you see yourself for who you really are without Jesus. But now here's the beautiful thing. God loves you. And he loves you so much and he wants a relationship with you so badly that he gave his own son to take care of your sin and remove that barrier. And he's, here's, here's an incredible thing. Just as much as all your sin was on Jesus when he died on the cross, All of his righteousness is on you. I don't even understand that. I just know it's true. And that God's right, God looks at me as righteous. So there's nothing more I can do to make God love me more. Here's what's incredible. In 10 years, when I'm a really good Christian, God's not gonna love me anymore. In 10 years, then God loves me right now. And God doesn't love me any more today than he did when I was 10 years old. God's love is eternal. And God's love is huge. And what you do has no effect on that. Now, it does affect your relationship in the sense that, like, like what I do affects my relationship with my wife. But that's, that, even that is not a good comparison because that's an earthly relationship. But law does not show your need for religion. The law shows your need for Jesus. And finally, righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. 
That key word there is alone. It's not Christ plus the rosary. It's not Christ plus baptism. It's not Christ plus church attendance. It's not Christ plus tithing. It is Christ alone. My righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. At the end of the passage that we read, verse 22, Paul said this, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. God's righteousness is upon us when we believe. For there is no difference. The righteousness of God is all yours. Congratulations. You have all of God's righteousness. That's an incredible thought. Religion says, if I obey, then God will love me more. Relationship says, because God loves me, I'll obey. Religion says it's all about what I do. Relationship says it's all about what Jesus has already done. Religion says it's all about me. Relationship says it's all about Jesus. Religion says I can do this, and then we become proud. And relationship says, Jesus, I need your help, and we stay humble. At the end of Luke chapter 18, this parable that Jesus was given, where we learned about the Pharisee praying out loud and commending himself before God, it finishes up with Jesus telling the perspective and the, the prayer of the publican. And look at the difference here. And it says this, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's what Jesus says. I tell you this, that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. When you have a relationship with Christ, and it's just the purity of the gospel, it creates a humility. But when we are all about what we believe and the systems that we use and how we do church, and it creates pride. And I just caution you, to identify that in your own life and protect yourself from toxic religion and just lean on Jesus and enjoy that relationship with him. Hey, we're not there yet, are we? Now we've got a lot of work to do. But don't fall into the trap of condemning yourself or condemning others because you're not doing enough. Just be who God wants you to be. We're all in this together. We're all here to support each other, and we're all here to figure it out together. And whatever God is doing in your life, just keep working on that and be open to whatever it is that God's trying to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and thank you for your never-ending love for us. And I do pray that as we grow in Christ, that our relationship would be something that is even more freeing and more fulfilling and something that only religion can provide, and that is just a shallow act of obedience creating servants. We love you. Thank you for loving us, and help us to grow ever closer to you as we love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.